Okay. Hello, hello, hello. This is another episode of the Mental Threads Podcast. This will be episode uh, 74. I am interviewing Mr. Wavy Jordan, uh, Jordan Massey, if you'd like to say something. Um, yeah, how's it going? I'm glad to be here for this episode. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, man. Don't mention it, man. You know, it's just, you know, you had me on your podcast a while ago, and our main topics was mostly focused on reggae music. And, you know, I feel like it touched on a whole lot of heartstrings, like, from my past, you know, because reggae music, um, I really identify with that theme of music and everything. And who knows? Maybe I'm going to add more to my playlist for the rest of this month, too, and stuff of that nature. So, you know, I appreciate you for having me on that one time. So it's just like, you know, plus you're my mental achievement uh, center brother. So it's like I had to look out for y'all, too, you know, in a sense. So And you look out for me. So, you know, that's yeah. It's like the culture there. Um, so it's like um, in regards to like the Men's Achievement Center and everything and where you at, because I know the semester already ended. Uh, are you taking summer uh, classes by any chance? Um, no, I graduated already. I graduated in um, May, so I'm done. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't make it seem like I forgot, but it's just like, you know, I guess, you know, some people might be on campus taking summer classes and stuff of that nature, kind of add on, maybe for grad school and stuff of that nature. Do you have interest in going to grad school? Um, it is something that is, um, it's in my plans. It's not really something that I want to do right now. Um, I initially, because initially I wasn't going to go at all, but then basically, um, what happened was at the last minute, I started getting kind of nervous and I was like, I need a plan, need to apply somewhere. Um, and I did get accepted into, one graduate program I got accepted in, um, American University in D.C. I got accepted into their, uh, what was it, Film and Media Studies, Masters of Fine Arts program, and um, they had approved me for an apprenticeship with the university. And so I wanted to do that, but then, like, you know, I'm from Maryland initially, so if I did do that, I felt like it's very close to home and I felt it felt kind of pointless to me because I really feel like a big part of going to school is like to go away and get a change of scenery, you know, and Mm -hmm. to be completely honest, I think that me getting the acceptance at American made me feel more confident to apply to other programs as well. And I just told myself, I was like, um, you know, you can reapply next year like with it actually on your mind so that you can have like you can like you know hit all the schools you want to go to and apply to all of them get all the priority deadlines make sure you have all the requirements done um and I would apply to American again as well along with those but it's like I feel like it's not good to make decisions just because you feel pressure or because you feel like you don't have anything else to do if that makes sense. So I decided to just hold off and take a gap year or two or whatever to just kind of, you know, take everything in and also kind of just see how um, things go in the workforce. And if I do maybe end up getting more solidified into a specific career path, maybe I'll stick with it. But if I think I don't get anything that seems like a permanent career choice for me, I would choose to go to grad school and pursue an MFA, Masters of Fine Arts. Oh, wow. That's actually really cool. And it's cool that you mentioned that, that American University is in D.C. And I was thinking about having plans about going to Howard University. Uh, 
myself, you know, and that's going to be in DC. And right now I kind of got to take a gap year myself due to certain situations and stuff. But, you know, it's like it's just more challenges for me and everything before I continue my education there uh, for grad school and uh, stuff of that nature. Yeah, it's just one thing about life, man. You just got to take it slow, man. You know, it's just, you know, you never know where you're going to be or where you're going to get settled in. So it's just like you might as well just take it slow, just take it step by step and just, you know, focus on things that you have to and stuff of that nature you know like this year i'm mostly going to be focused on the podcast and me making music and me just getting my health together and everything and just you know getting myself together uh before the fall and whatnot and then like maybe considering moving out to dc and stuff of that nature later on um so it's just like you know american university that's not a hbcu that's a pwi correct yeah yeah couldn't do it man couldn't do it. <laughs> I, it's just not my vibe, man. It's just since I went to an HBCU, that's just that's just where I that's just where I just I just feel at home there, you know. Like I want every achievement I have after after graduating from NCCU, I want it to just be like, you know, it's because I went to an HBCU, you know. It's just I feel like PWIs are just kind of dirty to me, like they're filthy. Like, oh. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I think that. Uh... <clears throat> I think that for me, going to an HBCU definitely has impacted my life. I'm impacted my life in a lot of ways. You know, I think that initially, um, before I went to college, I kind of had some reservations about going to an HBCU. You know, just because of the way that, like, you know, things are socialized growing up, and the way that people make it seem to go to an HBCU. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so. I, I felt iffy about it, but to be completely honest, um, my grade point average when I graduated high school was not that high, you know, so to be completely honest, HBCUs were really the only schools that I was a good candidate for with my high school GPA. Do you get what I'm saying? Definitely. And um, but I, I'm happy that that was the case, because if that wasn't the case, I probably wouldn't have gone to one. But really, I think that going to an HBCU was probably like one of the best decisions that I could have made, because I feel like going to an HBCU really helps you to become in tune with your blackness. And it's just a different level of comfortability and just fun and just engagement in your campus when everyone around you looks like you, you know. However, I have realized that, um, you know, in the corporate world when applying to jobs and stuff, it's very competitive as well, you know. And um, I found that there is like, you know, no matter how much you think that you've done, there is, you know, other people like, you know, on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. wherever who like you see will be done did like five times the things you did and it's like whoa whoa you know and so really I considered like because I feel like I had the HBCU experience and I'm happy to have had it and if I could just like you know live in that black bubble for the rest of my life and just only live in black communities I would you know but but because I understand that we have to you know be socialized among other races and like you know especially primarily white environments because they tend to be in control of a lot of stuff you know it's important to 
I, I don't want to say that it's important to like fit in per se, but I do know that sometimes when they are comparing applicants, they will compare the schools that you went to, you know? And so I'm proud of my HBCU and like, you get what I'm saying? I'm proud to have done that. But I, huh? I said, yeah, I know. I feel you. Yeah. But I do feel like if I were to pursue a, graduate program like to get a master's and like you know doing all those more years in school I would want something that is a look that's going to look a little bit more competitive on my resume if that makes sense not because of me thinking it's better but because I know how it'll be perceived by job recruiters do you get what I'm saying no dude trust me I feel you dude like trust me don't even don't feel any type of way about stating it because we all know what it is. Well, you ain't even got to explain it. <laughs> Trust me, we all know what it is. It's just one of the many sacrifices in going to like a HBCU over a PWI. It's like we take the experience over like the the practicality of like how like that degree might be seen to the eyes of somebody working at a certain corporate uh, company who may not value like a HBCU you know what I'm saying but I'm gonna tell you, to you like this it was tough for me to find a job for the first couple of months you're in the group chat of the Massachusetts Center you pretty much mm-hmm. you, like you know it was a huge struggle for me you know not because of my degree and everything it was easy finding a job in DC you know I had several jobs set up but in North Carolina and Charlotte especially it was tough um, that I wasn't as mobile as I wanted to be, you know, then I got my privileges to drive in April and everything. And it took me to find a job. Uh, it took me next month around the end of May to, to get a job. And it was like, it was really sad and everything because, you know, like my grandfather was praying for me to get a job and he didn't get to live to see me actually get a job, you know, my first actual job, which I'm still pretty sad about. Um, but at the same token, it was a black owned business. Uma care, I know you heard about what I said in the group chat too, and everything. Um, your business cards, yeah, because you do something in marketing, correct? Yeah, Mark, I'm a marketing executive, uh, for Uma care and everything, so it's just like you know, on that basis, I'm the first class of a marketing executive she ever hired, you know. So, so it's just like, it's like, it's really tough for her to kind of figure out what my day-to-day activities are going to be to Mm -hmm. a certain degree from her perspective. But it's like, really, it's just like, I go into the field sometimes, see if I can uh, scout out potential clients, like how they usually do and everything um from time to time some place you might get kicked out and everything because they consider it soliciting to a certain degree when it's really not. And, you know, if we were selling something, maybe, yeah, well, because, you know, you're black, it's the problem. Um, It's just, but at the same token, it's really just, we're just basically trying to put other people onto a service that involves them getting their own home nurse. So it could be people who are sickly, people who are elderly, people who are special needs, you know what I mean? People who really need a home nurse, you know, someone to do their laundry, do the groceries, you know, stuff like that, kind of help them live. Um, and that's a black owned business right there. So it's just like, you know, um, it's really just my first step into the field of marketing because now I have to set the standard for the next marketing executive, you know, because I'm the first. Right. And it's just like basically what is my day to day thing is like I need to like be able to bounce off ideas, you know, I'm considering I'm maybe going in the future. Um (laughs) maybe possibly uh adding videotography in regards to 
helping uh, the business I'm working for, you know, um, mm-hmm. to see if I can start a YouTube channel. So see, we can probably open some testimonials for the clients and maybe some of the, you know, some of the clients and some of the, um, the nurses that work under how UMA care is better their lives, whether there's as an employer or just as a, you know, as a, a service, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just open testimonials, one video to one person. You know, you ever watch uh, Vlad TV or um, stuff of that nature? I'm, I'm yeah, it won't be like that. It'll probably be something a little bit more like better, like in the commercials and everything. But basically, like each video will just pick up somebody, maybe interview them, like how I'm interviewing you. But now it just with videos, maybe like get their background and everything, how life has been to them, and then how Uma Cares really helped them in their lives, you know. So that, that was an idea that maybe I might put it more into fruition, maybe August or September. Until then, we're just going to be more focused on just getting more clients, you know. Um, I, since I've been there, this is my fourth week with this company. And I've, since I've been with them, I've already introduced Excel. Oh, sorry about that. Damn, I dropped my phone. I, I've already introduced to them uh, Excel, Microsoft Excel, to see, like, you know, to try to transfer a lot of the information of the past clients, the clients that kind of just put it right there, whether they want to be on the mailing list and everything, like everything there is right there um i'm i'm in the motion of uh, setting up a a google um google forms you know how uh, miss dr he be dropping on google forms polls in the group chat from time to time yeah i basically do that now it's getting set up where it's like you know like because we have to fill out so much information from their name their birth date their race or their address and so on, so on, so forth, you know, but, you know, it's just like, but what we really need is their Medicaid number and their social security number or their Medicare number. You know what I mean? That's what really gets them on our service. Dope with the DMA forms and stuff of that nature. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just, it's really just, as long as we can just get, they can be able to set something up whether they're getting a referral for someone else or, you know, something like that. They can just put all their information there. Um, we can con- call them later and get their more personal personal information and then put that for Medicare, you know, to save up on time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They already made it. They're already seeking it out, you know, mm-hmm. and I would just help, you know, just make it easier. So it's just like, that's just from four weeks I've been there. You I've mean, been thinking it's not shit from time to time. But once I really step out from like, wow, that's really a, like a lot of things I'm starting to bring into it just for <laughs> so far, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. so it's just like you know it's just it's just stuff of that nature you know like it's just like you know wherever you might be going after you're graduating from an hbcu like you know it's up to you whether you want to go to a pwi for grad school or whatever i'm sticking in that hbcu circle because you know the reason why is like i want to be able to prove that we're just as capable you know just as capable so like for you it might be a functionality thing but for me i guess it's maybe just a pride thing like you know call me stubborn or everything, but it's just, that's just kind of how I always struggled in predominantly white institutions and everything for a reason, because they didn't have my best interest in hand. Here I am at an institution where they have my best interest in hand, and I'm, I'm graduating around the top of my classes, you know, yeah. so just day and night type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and now, now I'm being a, a more than positive asset for the company I'm working for right now. It might be stressful from time to time because it's still brand new to a certain degree. So you got to get a whole lot of things together. And, they, you know, it can be a little bit, there could be arguments here and there between the staff. But regardless, you know, my place is there to make sure everything is put into 
to be more organized and to be able to make be as best an asset as I can, even though the process is kind of slow so far. Um, I know like these next two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and like it'll literally be, you know, it'll be of something, uh it'll be I'll I'll be, I won't rest until like I really leave that place way better than like I came in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and that's just that's just kind of where my focus is. Everything else has just come uh, positively after, you know, whether if I get a raise or not, whatever. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, I don't know. You're making me reconsider now. I don't know. I'm going to think about um, looking at some HBCU programs as well to see if they have um, like the MFA programs like that I would be interested in pursuing. Because, I mean, hey, I mean, it could be a good thing as well, like, to do an HBCU for grad school as well, because um, the more I'm thinking about it, a lot of people I know who went to PWIs didn't really enjoy it. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, everybody's experience in college is different. Some people can go can go to PWIs and they love it, you know, it's whatever, but it's just not the vibes for me. You know, you got to just find your own vibe. And it seems like from your experience, you'd say that, you know, um, HBCU was still uh, positive for you, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying just listen to your gut. Whatever work you feel like works best for you, just work best. You should probably check in with Howard University mm-hmm. and everything because, you know, Howard University, although, you know, PWI might be seen as more high class, Howard University is very well known. You know, this, oh, yeah. the, the alumni at Howard is so deep. You can name so many people that came from Howard and became successful. Uh, from Denzel Washington, Felicia Rashad, Bill Cosby Bill poured a lot of money in there, although he's not really in the best light right now. Um, but yeah, it, 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 gets, it goes on for a while. The list goes on, you know. And so it's just it's just something to consider. I know maybe you might want to change the space and everything. I'm going there because it's, it's definitely going to be a change of space, you know, the D.C., nightlife and everything you know I, I really look forward to it so that's why I'm working as hard as I can this year so that I once I be able to get my uh, self together I can be able to go on to that field once I get the time you know what I'm saying right so it's just it's just it's like stuff of that nature um and so on but it's like we were to you know uh, go into deeper like I know you mentioned that you said that you um that you went with mass communication. So what about mass communication spoke out to you in terms of like career wise? Um, so I think for me, it just, it was kind of, I feel like the closest degree, the closest degree program the central had to my interest. So to kind of give a little background on me, uh, I used to, I used to act in like, so my, um, my interest used to be theater primarily, I wanted to be an actor really bad. I wanted to be on television. I wanted to do movies. I wanted to do all of that stuff. Um, so when I was growing up, I used to do a lot of plays and stuff. Like I used to participate in like school plays. A lot of times I would enroll in like camps over the summer and like participate in plays. I used to do other camps too, like video production camp. And I used to do uh, animation camp, like, like just other little things, you know what I mean? But so uh, I also used to like to write a lot ever since I was young. I used to write little short stories and I used to do illustrations and things like that as well. And so as I got a little bit older, um, I ended up going to a program in high school. 
it was a magnet program called Performing in Visual Arts. And so I did that and I focused in theater. So basically the way the magnet program was set up, I don't know if they have magnet programs in your, um, in the area where you went to school at, but basically we had to take regular classes, but then we also took performing and visual arts classes as well, like in addition to our class schedule. And we had to stay after school and take additional classes. And then like, you know, we had other little requirements, like we had to have uh, X amount of internship hours. We had to do senior capstone projects and we had to do stuff like that. And so back when I was doing that, I was still really heavy on the acting path, right? But then for my senior capstone project, I actually decided to write and direct a play uh, it was my first time really like, you know, doing that and like doing like a full on like production, you know, and so that was really cool. And it was actually very well received. And I had won an award from um, from the Magnum program and like our award ceremony at the end of the year. So that made me feel really good about what I was doing. And it made me feel like, you know, I want to continue to pursue writing and directing and things of that nature. But I didn't know that when I went to college, when I first came to school, I was actually a business major because I think that being in that magnet program, it kind of made me not want to do acting as much anymore. So I was like, I just want to do something totally different. I'm just going to change my career path. I was like, I'm going to do business. And then I believed that my idea was that one day I was going to take that business degree and like use it to like own my own TV studio or or production company, like that was still what I wanted to do. I just didn't know what degree I wanted to pick. You know, I really didn't want to go to college in the first place. My, I was kind of forced into going, you know, and I, I'm glad now that I went, you know, but I was kind of forced into it and I was kind of told, oh, you should do business because whatever, I soon realized business wasn't for me. And, um, I learned about the mass communication department. I used, I used to hear people say that their major was mass communication, but I didn't really know what it was, if that makes sense. And I, I was always nervous about switching my major because I didn't want to switch it to something that I didn't like. And then, you know, have to switch back or switch to something else. But then I remember Central got um, their TV station built, like their TV studio. And I remember I saw like the pictures of it and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I really want to be a mass communication major. And like, you know, I really felt inspired to like look it up and really see what it is and what it does. And, you know, and it was just like, it's, it, I felt like it aligned with my interests because I kind of have like that background already of like doing journalism. And I used to do a lot of writing. Uh, even in high school, I used to write for um, this magazine in my community. My community had a magazine and I was basically, I was, I was technically the chief junior writer. I was the first teen writer that was recruited by the magazine to you know write stories because my mom knew the guy and hooked that up for me. And so I was writing for them. And then, you know, after a while they brought a few other junior writers in. And so, like, you know, so it just seemed like the right fit because I had the background of acting already and like the journalism and the writing. And that's really what a lot of mass comm is, is 
you know, just knowing how to write, knowing how to speak, knowing how to be on television. It, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was already doing. So I think it just made the most sense, you know. That's really cool, man. Like hearing like from like how you're interested in like um, being an actor and writing and stuff of that nature and being sent to all so many different camps, to, like even going to business and thinking that wasn't working and then really finding yourself back in mass communications, man, that's wonderful. Dude, that's crazy. Like, you know, supportive that your parents like let you go through with stuff like that. Like my parents, African. So it's like I had about the same kind of interest too, but it's like everyone's trying to work hard to get some doctors in their family. I'm like, how many doctors do y'all need? Like, <laughs> it's like, why do we all got to do the same thing? Like, you know, it's just, I never understood it. Cause everybody just, everybody isn't really set up the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like my father was a very, uh, um, uh, was, was his focus was being a doctor basically. And my mom was focused in the medical field also and everything. So I thought maybe I wanted to be like a pharmacist or something, you know, but you know, I, I did shitty with biology and chemistry. I didn't know what the hell was going on and everything, you know, mostly not because I probably didn't have the capacity to probably understand it. It's just the program in my school really wasn't, at my high school wasn't too, um, let's just say it wasn't very credible. And uh, so like when I went to community college and took a chemistry class, I was lost as hell. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. It's not, the chemistry isn't chemistrying with me. I, don't, I just don't. Know. <laughs> and so it's just like, um, so I just went through a whole phase of just trying to figure myself out through community colleges, you know, and I went with just taking general classes at this one community college. I had to, I had to leave uh, my community college. I started with to this one. Uh, and then, you know, that's why I really started getting my feet set, you know, really studying and setting up some kind of study habits. Next thing you know, I was able to get the credits and transfer to uh, North Carolina Central University. And uh, I just went with business and stuff of that nature. So it's just like, I still feel like I can still go on that route if I wanted to be like an actor or anything of that nature. You know, I, I think I just set up an email for just acting and stuff. And I just, I just set up something uh, with this one acting agency. I don't know if it's Avanti or something like that. Something like that. I need to really follow up with them on that when I get the chance tomorrow. Uh, once I get time and stuff, and I might be stepping out and going to Florida or something like that, but it's just, it's really just a matter of just how things are set up and stuff of that nature, you know, because it's just like, you only got one life to live, so it's just like, you might as well do everything that you like to do, and so, you know, it's just like, you know, I, that's why, that's one of the main reasons I got with this whole podcast thing, you know, it's just, at first it was just an idea, and then, uh, then it just went into the route of just like, wow, like, I'm meeting a whole lot of, like, interesting people and getting, like, good conversation and everything. I just found two people at the bar that I would uh, make for good conversations uh, um, on my podcast just today and everything. One dude was like, he like freaking collects Pokemon cards, but he was like once like a drug dealer and so that nature. No, seriously. And now, <laughs> like, uh, now he's like working at his like his parents bar and everything um that they just opened up like seven months ago and then it'd be like this one dude is like work paramedics. So it's like he sees all types of crazy stuff. Like you'd be seeing like four month four-month-year-old babies with gunshot wounds in their head and stuff like that. Oh, you know, when I tell you, like, the stories these people were telling me at the bar just a while ago that had me struggling trying to make it to here on time and everything, it was crazy. Because I'm not even, like, a bar-hopping type person. I really just came there to interview another dude who runs, like, a food truck and everything, and it was, like, uh, he sells, like, seafood and chicken and everything. We got into a really, really good conversation, so it's, like, you know, like, if you want to check out those episodes, you should definitely consider checking it out once I upload it. You'll be the third interviewed today, so it's just, like, you know, I'm just trying to 
really grind hard to get these episodes done so I can reach 16 before the end of the month. Are you working? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really trying to get 16, you know, before the end of the month because it's like literally I'm doing three a day until, oh, wow, we only got like 10 minutes. I just let just let you know, we only got 10 minutes. We might have to cut this a little bit short. Okay. Um, well, not short, short, but it's just like we're, we can we're continue this on the next one. You can hop on a little bit after this, but we yeah, have- I know that they they time it, and so I, I get how it is when they cut you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just letting you know and everything. One, one, one. I, once I'm able to upgrade to pro, this this won't be shit. <laughs> nah. really, this really won't be anything. But it, I really, it, it's fine. I like how it's like for on your side and everything. It's actually pretty easy to hear you and everything. So it's like that's gonna really uh because it could be very digitized kind of stuff going on and then you can't really hear who's talking to who you know but it's like in this case it's kind of working out um but it's like uh yeah man it's just that's really cool that you able to go into your passions like that and everything you know um but uh you know with the whole mass communication stuff of that nature uh where exactly do you, you do wasn't really like your plans with it i know you really say you wanted to like um get your own studio or whatever, you know, film studio. Are you thinking maybe, like, on the lines like Tyler Perry where you're, like, setting up, uh, like, plays and stuff of that nature and setting up movies and stuff of that nature? Um, kind of, kind of. So I wouldn't necessarily say, like, Tyler Perry, but, like, I do think that it's – he. I, I do really like his vision. I think it's really cool that he has, like, the big studios and he has, like, the different buildings and stuff. And so I would say that, yeah, ideally – one day I would like to write and direct my own like TV shows and movies. That's kind of what my ultimate goal is right now. So as far as any jobs that are related to like writing, video production, uh, producing, things like that, that's the type of stuff that I'm looking for right now so that I can kind of ease into that down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you should miss out on that whole American University stuff. That's just my opinion. Just go straight to Howard because, like, that's so many people that go through Howard and everything connection-wise and stuff, like from the Denzel Washingtons, Felicia Rashad's, I would uh, formerly Chadwick Boseman, uh, God bless his heart, um, passed away. But, you know, the alumni from just a, like, literally entertainment standpoint, like Taraji P. Henson, and everything like you know it's just like you want to get in circles with that and considering how you're like going into grad school they always know that you have some kind of experience it's just going to cost some money because it's just like grad school isn't really cheap so it's like i don't know like maybe like financial aid covers it or something like that or maybe you might get a grant so, i hope um, look into apprenticeships again um and like with apprenticeships you know they give you some money uh like the one i got in american it didn't pay for my whole thing but it, it was like a good bit of support, you know, um, but it's just that whole idea of loans and all that other stuff, you know. But Dr. Heath had actually told me himself uh, not to let the loans discourage me because he was saying, like, you know, all you got to do, he's like, you produce like one blockbuster hit, you can pay your loans off right then and there, you know. So he's like, if you have a vision, then you should, you know, pursue it. And so I really appreciate him for telling me that because, you know, I think that for a lot of people, loans can be very overwhelming and it can make you not even want to be bothered, you know, but it's like if you have a vision and you kind of know what you want to do with it, then why not? You just have to you just have to believe in yourself, you know, because I feel like nowadays 
or not even nowadays, but just like, you know, since I was a kid, like, you know, people tell you to be realistic. People tell you to, oh, what, you know, to like try to humble you, like to tell you to not dream big, but it's like, you should dream big. You should have high ambitions for yourself because if you expect regular, you're going to get regular. regular, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, no, seriously, you got to hold yourself at a different standard. You don't really got to watch your habits. Like, you know, even with this thing, like literally I'm like 73 episodes in, and everything two of them i need to upload including yours so like you would be the 74th episode and everything and it's just like you know, i'm trying to make this stuff work <laughs> even when it's like there's like so many obstacles on my way to stop me from making this thing work like my one of my phones spoiled and everything it kind of messed up and everything so it's like now i'm at a crossroad i'm trying to really make this trying to stretch my last paycheck until like my next paycheck this week and everything you know which like my last paycheck wasn't even that heavy because i had to leave take time off like for my grandfather's funeral and everything mm -hmm. um so it's just like you know but now i gotta wait like an extra five days and i gotta be in and out of town i gotta go to uh i think dc on this upcoming wednesday actually and so it's just like and then i have to leave come back on that same day so it's just like you know it's just it can be a lot and everything but it's like, I'm at least blessed to say it's just like, I have something going for me. So there are people that just really have nothing going, like, you know, the whole music thing and the podcast thing and just me, like, and now I work with Umacare and stuff. It's just like, you know, it's, just, it's all a process, but it's like, I feel like everything kind of comes together on its own, how it should be. And it's like, and that's the wonderful, that's the genius about like Dr. Heath, man. And like, you know, thank God for him to even be in our lives and everything, because guaranteed, I don't even think I would have gotten that far through NCCU had it not be for him and like the Men's Achievement Center as a whole. You know, I'd probably be stuck in my room most of the time to being a recluse, really. I agree. Men's Achievement Center helped me a lot um, when I was having trouble socially, for sure. Yeah, no, seriously, like, because, like, you know, college, that's a huge maze to, like, overcome, and, you know, it's just, like, really finding your footing, you know, like, there'd be people that you see that you brush shoulders with and just hanging out with people one day, and then, like, next thing you know, it's just, like, they get kicked off of campus because they were, you know, doing something they weren't supposed to, you know? Yep. You know, things can, for you to really make it through, like, and get your degree and everything, that's a, that's a huge achievement, so, you know, you know, don't sleep on that. For definitely, you know, regardless if people think like a HBCU degree is worth it or not, you know, you can't convince me that my my, my degree isn't worth something, you know, you might just look on the description pages or whatever, and like maybe somebody might go to a different school, but it's whatever. The stuff that I've learned through an HBCU, the people I've met and everything, the people I can't wait to see once I get back for homecoming also. That's and everything, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that's going to be forever instilled in me. And, you know, like, I'll never forget that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's just that, you know, on the next, well, once we get hop on again, we're going to be speaking a little bit more about what the Men's Achievement Center has really, like, uh, done for you and stuff of that nature. We're going to go a little bit deeper on, like, you know, what drove you to want to do a, a podcast and uh, stuff of that nature. So it's just it's just something to keep in mind and everything. Um, so it's like, yeah, just stuff like, uh, like you know, uh, just growing up in Maryland. Because you grew up in South Maryland, right? Um. I don't know where it would be considered geographically in Maryland. Uh, the area I'm from, most people know it as uh, PG County. That's the area that I lived in. Um, and the city specifically was called Bowie. But geographically, I'm not 
too sure where it is, but my hometown is about 30 minutes or so from D.C. You're probably south of Maryland then, and that's the case. Um, is that uh, how far is that from like places like Pikesville or Odenton? Um, Odenton is like let's see, Odenton is maybe like 30 minutes for me. Like Pikesville, I'm not really sure where Pikesville is in adjacency to me, but I know that Odenton is probably about another 30 minutes. Maryland is a fairly small state, so I find that most cities are going to be about 30, 40 minutes away. It might be some that are over an hour, hour and a half, but that's like if it's all the way on the other side of the state or something, you know what I mean? But it's it's not a big state at all, so, you know. Yeah, compared to North Carolina, because like they get from Charlotte to, to Durham, that's two whole hours. So it's just like, just here, just one hour, it's like, that's it? Like, okay. Yeah, well, it's, it, like if you look at the map, it's it's a very small state. So, hey, I like Maryland because of the uh, affluence. Like when it comes to African American uh, prosperity and everything, we could talk more about that uh, by that uh, the next uh, recording and everything. But yeah, man, it's just like there's a lot of successful Black folk out there and stuff of that nature. So like you know, it's just definitely want to get in those circles. Um, I'm gonna end the recording for right now, and then we can just hop on a little bit. Okay. okay. Back into it. Part two of episode 74 of the Mental Threats podcast. Now it's like we were just speaking about like Maryland and just uh, how it is out there. I know you spoke about like pretty much the geography, like how like it's like you're 30 minutes away from DC. How far are you from DC? About 30, 40 minutes, depending on traffic. 30, 40 minutes, depending on traffic. <laughs> Stuff of that nature. Yeah, man, it's just like how, like, you know, it's like it's kind of like a small state, but there's like a large group of like affluent uh, African-Americans out there. It's like, why are like, you know, black people so successful out there in like Maryland? Like, you know? Yeah, it's actually interesting because I didn't really know that that was a thing until I was older. Uh, Probably around the time I was a teenager, I found out that Maryland, uh, um, especially like PG County and like the areas where I'm from uh, are big areas. And as far as, um, like you said, well-off and wealthy Black people, I don't really know why there's such a high, um, so like such a high volume of like wealthy Black people in that area. My assumption was always that, I don't know, maybe like, you know, like, as far as, like, my parents, for example, my parents are from D.C., right? Um, my parents basically eventually moved out of the, um, like, you know, moved out of D.C., wanted to get away from D.C. because, you know, the areas they're from are, like, you know, it's a little rougher. And so they wanted to move to the suburbs. So they ended up moving into Maryland, you know, and that was kind of, I don't know if that happens like with like other people's families, but I like I know that that's what happened with mine, and that was kind of my assumption. Maybe like people who move out of D.C. and want to you know move to the suburbs, and Maryland is right there, and, you know. That's cool, man. That's that's really really cool, and uh, stuff of that nature, man. I'd really like to get like involved in those communities out there, you know, because like, I plan on moving to D.C. 
and maybe maybe one day I'd like to probably move maybe Southern uh, Maryland or maybe back in North Carolina just to Raleigh, you know, but it's just, I feel like DC is going to be like that launching pad for like the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, that's where, like I'm thinking about going to grad school. My father works at the hospital at Howard university. So I'm trying to bring my brother with me so we can go to school for free. You know, um, basically that's just one of the main things I'm really trying to work and like huddle the guy, probably get him there. Um, but it's just like, you know, it's really up to him or what he wants to do and stuff of that nature. He say he doesn't want to leave his friends. So it's just kind of like, it's kind of dumb because it's like, you know, you always have to hang out with your friends, dude. We get your education first. How old is he? He's 21 and everything. He was having issues at Winston-Salem because like, you know, they kept messing up his documents. They just, they just weren't giving a fuck. So it's just, that's just basically what it was, you know? And then after that, I guess he just kind of stopped giving a fuck too, you know? And I just want to, I just want him to give a fuck again. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you know, basically, I don't want to be all, you know, be cursing and everything of that nature, but you know, that's just, that's just basically what it is. Um, But it's like, uh, yeah, um, I know you've spoken about like you just going to all types of camps and stuff of that nature, but if you're going to detail, what is the community like? out there in like Maryland I know we spoke about it being like just like a affluent black folk and everything like that but like you know y'all seem to get along pretty well over there in Maryland uh you know is it just the school system like how's it looking over there um so what I will say is the primary difference cultural wise between Maryland and North Carolina I will say North Carolina folks are a lot friendlier uh, I feel like people in Maryland have like that kind of stereotypical northern people attitude, like because we're we're really not up north like that. If you were to like look at it in comparison to other states, but I do feel like Maryland people t- like kind of follow more northern stereotypes as opposed to southern ones, if that makes sense, and. Um, like, for example, people in North Carolina are just like they speak more like I feel like people in North Carolina, like, you know, I could really not even know you like that. Like we might have had class together and like, you know, maybe have one or two conversations and then you would probably like wave at me every time you see me on campus versus in Maryland. That's not really something that we're used to. Like sometimes, like you might full out see people you full on know and not speak to them, <laughs> depending on the day, of course, you know. But um, and and of course, it's not like you do this like with like your friends, you know what I mean. But it's just it's not that same type of friendly energy in Maryland. I feel like sometimes, um, people in Maryland like you know tend to like walk fast, not really make eye contact. Um, I remember people used to say that about me a lot when I came here, like, oh, you walk fast and you just don't speak and you just gone. (laughs) But um, it's interesting. And, you know, there are different parts of Maryland that kind of have different stereotypes and different cultures, right? So I grew up in Bowie, which is a part of PG County. Uh, I don't know if you met any people from PG um, out here in North Carolina, because I feel like most Maryland people I know from PG, being from PG is one of the first things that they mention, because it's one of the more black areas in Maryland, aside from like Baltimore, you get what I'm saying and stuff. But so a lot of black people from Maryland will identify with PG County and be sure to tell you if that's where they're from. PG County has a reputation in Maryland for being like 
has a reputation for being like ghetto, but also bougie at the same time, which is like weird, right? But it is because it's like people out there, like they be on shit sometimes, but it's not like they be really wild and like how they do in certain areas. You get what I'm saying? And also, um, like the way you dress is a big part of the culture out there. You get what I'm saying? Like, uh dmv maryland specifically uh like no i'm gonna say dmv like has like specific like staples like certain brands that are like dmv brands you get what i'm saying or like typical like dmv like oh if you're a dmv girl you dress like this or if you're a dmv guy you dress like this or whatever like one brand that's big out there is a heli hansen i don't know if you've heard of it they um they do jackets and coats and stuff so it's a big thing for maryland people to have heli hansen jackets um and stuff like that so they're big on clothes they're big on uh they're very big on roasting culture as well or out there they call it joning like they'll joan on you or whatever mm-hmm. and it's, it's like that's a big thing as well but um I actually went to school in a different area i went to school in Anne Arundel county because uh, Anne Arundel County is a little bit more white. Like, there, like there are Black people who live out there, but it's, it's different. You get what I'm saying? It's more watered down than, like, PG, where, like, PG isn't just mostly Black people. You get what I'm saying? Um, because the reason why I didn't go to school in my county was because the – the way PG, PG schools just aren't that good. You get what I'm saying? PG schools have a reputation for being on the rougher side. Even if you live in like a nice neighborhood, like you could live in an upper class neighborhood and still be zoned to go to a rougher school with kids who like, you know, live in like a more, like you get what I'm saying? Like, um, like or, a, uh, what's that word? Urbane, urban background? Hey. I was trying not to use that word, but yeah. But basically, though, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, you'll end up going to school with kids from rougher areas, even if you live in a nicer area. My mom was like, we're not doing that. Uh, And my parents were, uh, my parents were actually divorced. So my dad lived uh, outside of the home. And so my mom had my dad move to Anne Arundel County so that we would be able to, you know, go to school in Anne Arundel County under his address and not have to, um, you know, have to, I guess, deal with that in PG. Um, So I don't know, though, but, like, I know plenty of people who went to school in PG and they turned out fine, so I don't really know, you know. But it's, it's, it's a pretty decent place to grow up. I find it to be pretty relaxed overall the only thing is that i do feel like sometimes the people you meet out there be a little grimy sometimes i don't know what's up with that i think that maybe because maryland's kind of a boring place i think that maybe people just stir up drama sometimes out there i don't really know but it's a cool place to be from like I'm, i'm happy to be from there and it's always cool to go back home and visit you know Okay, well, that sucks about the whole, like, you know, the whole sense of, like, oh, this is getting boring out there, so, like, they do a whole lot of things just to start drama type. Because I don't know, like, I'd be out there in the DMV area from the time to time, but not, like, out there, out there, like, because my father stays in Arlington, 
Virginia, okay. like no, like the Nova area, basically Northern Virginia area. Yeah, but he works in D.C., so it's like I'd be in the Nova area, Northern Virginia area, and I was out there in the Northern Virginia area working, um, for an internship, uh, I think last summer, and everything where it was like direct marketing, uh, for cannabis, uh, not cannabis project products, but like uh, uh CBD edibles and um. cosmetic products so it's like once you learn how to pretty much sell stuff like that for twenty dollars like a bag of that for twenty dollars you pretty much teach yourself how to pretty much adapt anywhere basically you know so i guess that's what really helped me and really uh where i'm at right now like because it's just like they'll want to get signatures of names and numbers so we can be able to do cold call lists and stuff like that at my job right now so it's really not hard for me to go out there and get like up to like 20 signatures like names and numbers, you know, whereas like some of them come back with like two, three signatures, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, it's just like I attribute that all to like, well, everything I've learned in Northern Virginia. But it's like, uh, yeah, like it's just my impression. It's just like, you know, people are just people wherever, you know? Exactly. That's pretty much how I see it. It's just like some people might have, might be having an attitude, but they, we have people here in North Carolina that have attitudes, you know? And I, even though, like, on the dark side and light side of, like, the whole Southern hospitality thing, on a good note, yeah, it's good to find people and, like, be friendly with them and talk to them and everything. But on the bad note and everything, it gives people the impression that they know you when they really don't know you like that, you know? Which leads to people disrespecting you all types of ways, you know? Oh. I call it the phantom effect. You know what I mean? Where people mm-hmm. talk about you, maybe someone like maybe a, maybe a friend like, you actually hang out with, hangs tosses like someone that maybe might have seen you here and there, you know. So they build this 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 image of you that's like uh, this familiarity of you, this sense of familiarity with you, where it's like they think that they know you when they really don't know you. So which gives people a lot of. I want to say gives people power over you to start drama, but which leads to people maybe want want to gossip or maybe start swinging like drama and lies on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we get that a lot out here in North Carolina and Charlotte, especially where there'd be people having like your name and their mouths and everything and you don't even know them. You know what I mean? I ever had that issue like that, like in Maryland? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that you bring up a very good point that I think a lot of this stuff is just stuff that happens. I think that probably a lot of stuff that I've dealt with in Maryland probably would have experienced some of that same stuff if I grew up in North Carolina, you know, Mm. because I do think that there are certain things that are just, you know, people, people be messy. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? People be messy and people be hating. And that's just kind of, that's a theme anywhere, you know? And, um, that's the theme anywhere because even in Maryland like I feel like in Maryland typically or at least for me growing up I had to kind of learn to act mean to kind of adapt to the like you know stuff that's going around like going on around you because everybody's just mean out there or not really so much anymore but like growing up and like you know just like kids being kids and stuff and I'm sure that you probably dealt with some of that too as well like you know even though from my experience, North Carolina people are friendlier. I think that I'm sure that some like the same stuff I experienced in Maryland occurs out here, you know? Yeah, I ain't really lived out there in like DC or whatever so that long or nothing like that. <clears throat> um, and everything, but it's just like, you know, I'd be in and out and it's just like, it's just, it's just kind of all the same to me. 
people yeah. are just people. Like some people are just good, some people are just shitty, and that's just it. Right. I feel like maybe the culture might have something to do with the area, you know, in terms of just how maybe people might take ethics and etiquette to a certain degree. But honestly, like I don't know. It's just like in my that that same token, yeah, you can see it to a certain degree, you know, and I that's how I feel about North Carolina, but you know, some people want to move out of North Carolina. I'd be asking people when they want to move out of D.C., why you want to move out of D.C.? Like, you know, they'd be like, no, I just can't, just don't like it, living there and everything. You know, they'd be like, oh, it's like a bucket of crabs. And I'm like, word? So it's yeah. like, I think that's just an effect that just comes with everybody. People just don't like to stay where they grew up at, you know? I think, well, because you're used to it, you know, and, like, you just see all the, you see all the good stuff, you see all the bad stuff. And it's like so, so, like you know, it could be so cool to somebody else, but to you, it's really not all that. Because like I've been here so much, like I don't love DC either, you know. Like I hear some people talk about DC, like it's the most exciting place in the world because I know it's the capital, you know. And I'm like, that's cool, but like you know, growing up, I've been to DC so much. Like I've been to the nice areas, I've been to the shitty areas. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so. I have I have good and bad memories associated with DC, you know, and it's just like it's a very crowded area. Like I feel like everything there is just very close together. It's a small city, a lot of traffic. It's not my cup of tea, you know, but it is the nation's capital, so there will forever be opportunities there. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't live there, but uh, I think even if I did have a job or something in D.C., I would probably just still live in Maryland and just commute. Yeah, that's that's probably the route I'm probably going to go with. You know, I might just stay in Northern Virginia and everything mm-hmm. um, and just commute there to D.C. and everything. Like the same way how like, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and sometimes we leave to Concord to go to Concord Mills or something like that. Okay. You know, maybe not the same light in that sense, but it's just like, you know, it's just like, you know, if it's like near town or whatever, it's just like, and it's kind of in the general area, you know, you can still go by and just kind of chillax there. If you like, you know, you ain't got to be there like all 24 hours of the day. Right. Yeah, I just want to live in D.C. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to like live out there in D.C. I like, you know, something in my spirit tells me to go to D.C. and go to Howard University. So it's like, you know, it's the same spirit that tells me to go, that told me to go to North Carolina Central University. So I'm just, I'm just following what it tells me and then see where it takes me from there. Um, but it's like, you know, I know we spoke about like, you know, D.C. Maryland for a minute and everything. Um, but if we had to speak on... Um, stuff like uh like what the men's achievement center had provided for you like at north carolina central university like you know what what has that uh, been like for you um a lot it i would say that it provided me with a sense of purpose in a sense or not necessarily a sense of purpose a sense of um identity not even, but a sense of personal achievement. There we go. I say it would it provided me with a with a group to be honest, like with a sense of belonging, you know. Because like you know, I wanted to join the fraternities like Sigmas and everything, but I just didn't think I had like you know what it took. And I was just like you know, I just said you know, like that was like my circle was like the men's achievement center. Like everybody I hang out with consistently were in the men's achievement center. I think- <laughs> I would say that, but I had joined another organization prior to the Men's Achievement Center shortly before, um, and I actually ended up going into student leadership with them, 
and I ended up being vice president by the time I left that organization. So that organization would be the first one that I feel like helped me establish my identity. But I will say that the Men's Achievement Center made me feel like I had accomplished something. I think that being a part of an organization that was so reputable on campus for like, you know, being known for black men who achieve and we do all this community service and have all these events and we get all this funding and we do all this stuff. I actually was nervous that I was not going to get in because I did not join prior to enrolling, like how a lot of people did, I think, or like right at the beginning. I found Dr. Heath at some sort of fair that he like that he was at. It was like an organization fair one day and I found it on accident, you know, and I met Dr. Heath and, you know, he told me about what they do and everything. And so I joined and I remember because I was like my GPA was not at the minimum requirement but like you know I remember telling them like I really want to join I feel like I could gain a lot from this you know if you let me in I don't care if I have to go to the tutors I don't know I'll I'll, I'll get the GPA up like you know and so he let me join and so it just made it made things feel a little bit different you know like I felt like okay I'm actually accomplishing something I'm actually on the right path like you know they have all these resources that are going to help me stay on track, you know, and I'm going to be connected to all these, like, you know, other brothers and stuff. And I remember my first time coming to a MAC meeting, seeing like a bunch of familiar faces on campus. Like I was like, wow, pretty much every, like pretty much every guy on campus who has some sort of student leadership position is in the MAC, you know, and that was crazy to me. And um, I will say that the MAC did help me find a sense of belonging at some point, you know, because during my junior year, uh, I remember that was the first year that I chose to do. um, That was the first year that I chose to room and do my housing through the Men's Achievement Center. Mm -hmm. You know, freshman year, I couldn't do it because I joined late. I couldn't do it sophomore year because I just don't think I felt comfortable to sign up for my sophomore year because I didn't really start getting involved in the Men's Achievement Center actively until probably like late sophomore year, junior year. No problem. Hmm? I said ain't no problem. It's never too late. Yeah, you know, it it just took me a while because I will say I think at first I was intimidated because there are so many people that are in the Men's Achievement Center, you know. You thought that there wouldn't be a spot open? Yeah, you know, because I felt like everybody already knew each other. I felt like everybody's already close. I feel like the people who are heavily involved are already heavily involved. And I just felt like it's a big organization. So I didn't feel motivated to show up. And then the more I wasn't showing up, the like the less inclined I felt to come around, you know, because I felt like, oh, and now they're going to, like, make me feel bad because I didn't come, you know. Oh, uh, nah, that was not the atmosphere at the Massachusetts Center. That definitely wasn't it, and, you know, it was all in my head, you know, for a while, and, like, just feeling like I felt ashamed, you know, because I knew that I could be doing more and that I was sitting in my room and not coming by, and you know. 
And I remember, like, when I would see Dr. Heath around campus, I would be trying to avoid him and stuff, like, feeling like, oh, he's about to get on me. I have to be but he would never he would never do that. He would always just be like, Hey, how are you? Are you good? Like, you know, come see us sometimes. We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. <laughs> that was just the kind of person Dr. Heath was, man. And even like even when I had my times when I was kind of like not going, you know, I had spirit because I had to focus on school and everything, catch on my work that was like tank with a lot of work. Like there'll be like essays and stuff. There are points I had six classes I had to manage, you know what I'm saying? So it was like I had to focus, take time out to like focus on my work and he like, you know, because he was actually aware of my mental health issues in regards to depression and anxiety. And he would just kind of check up on me, you know, is everything all right? Like, I've been here in a while. You all right? It's like, no, nah, I'm okay. It's just I had like just to work on stuff, you know, it's just like, it just seems like he's the kind of person that actually cares about our development and where we go and where we're headed in life and everything. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate him actually setting that place up, you know, for us, you know what I'm saying? You know, cause I, when I tell you, like, I had nowhere else to go but the Men's Achievement Center, bro. I was either in my dormitory at lunch or I went to the Men's Achievement Center. I didn't even go to parties like that when I was oh, in college. Wow. I went to parties, like, every once in a while, you know, every once in a blue moon type, you know, and it was just, it was just whatever. Yeah, especially at the COVID era and everything, like, all my friends are just in the Men's Achievement Center, you know? And it's just, oh, like, wow. when I was going through my issues, like, those are the main people that would check up on me and the main people who look out for me. So it's, like, for that, you know, like, I'm inter- I'm internally grateful, you know, because they made the HBCU experience all the more sweeter there. Even though I wasn't putting myself out there, out there, you know, how I thought I was going to be and be in the parties and everything due to certain health conditions I'm most dealing with and everything, they at least gave me a space to actually, like, belong and actually felt like, you know, like I was a part of the whole NCCU sphere, you know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, they give me faith that, that I can get through whatever adversity I can do. So and they give me strength, you know, through that. Yeah. That's, that's what I appreciate the Men's Achievement Center um, for on that end. So it's like that's that's one of the things that kind of like, you know, every time I step out there and I do something, you know, I feel like I'm doing it for Dr. Heath and, you know, everything of that nature or Mr. Andrews. I don't know if you, you didn't meet Mr. Andrews, did you? No, I didn't meet Mr. Andrews. OK, um, yeah, but he's not he's still not there. Did they get anybody to like do the stuff that he was doing? Oh, I don't think so. I cause I don't even really know why he left. I just knew that he kind of left out the blue. Um, and so Dr. Heath and Miss Troy were still around, but I don't think that they replaced. Wait, uh, do you know what Mr. Andrews did was his... Uh... Oh, no, he didn't do anything. He just had to leave because he had, like, other business things to focus on because, you know, he was also running, like, his own... Uh mental health uh, clinic uh, thing, too. He's oh, still no, teaching. No, I, I just meant, like, what he did as far as, like, what his position was in the Men's Achievement Center. He was just he was just managing, like, all sorts of things that, that Dr. Heath couldn't manage. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always a position, like, you know, like what Miss Troy does, you know, support type stuff, you know, help us engage, you know, set up things like that, you know. <laughs> Mr. Andrews is actually really good to me, too. Like, he's one of my main mentors also. Yeah, he was – yeah, I, I knew Mr. Andrews as well. Um, because we do have a success coach, or we have two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know that the main one is uh Jalen Spooner. Do you remember Jalen? He was president. Yeah, I remember Spooner. He graduated too, right? Mm-hmm. And so is he there for grad school or is he just there just to be there? I wanna say he's there for grad school, but I'm not certain. He's probably just employed there now which is good you know it it fits him you know like i can't imagine spooner not having anything to do with nccu 
Yeah, so he works with the Men's Achievement Center now as a success coach. Um, and so I will say that um, the Men's Achievement Center definitely helped me to graduate. Um, I don't think I would have fulfilled my community service requirement without the Men's Achievement Center. No, seriously, Dr. Heath helped me out, bro. Like, that was, like, one of my main issues, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I swear, it was it was tough, but he he hooked me up, man. Now, praise be to Dr. Heath, man, and his – Absolutely. You know, yeah, he is, he is the OG for real, man. But if we had to go uh, switch the subject matter and focus on the podcast situation, um, what led you to wanting to run your own podcast yourself? Um, So for me, I think that what really made me want to do it was the fact that I've been doing mass communication for a while, you know, after I changed my major and I was kind of trying to branch off more into content creation. And it was something I had been talking about doing on and off for a while. Cause you know, I really like to talk to people and like, you know, I'll have conversations with certain people. I'll be like, I should do a show, but then I just never got around to it. But then like, you know, whenever I would meet people and tell them like, you know, oh, I do mass communication. Like, you know, some of my interests are like video, audio production and journalism music whatever they'll be like oh do you have your own channel to do stuff and I would be like no but then it's like why don't you you know and so what happened was over the past December the internship that I had um, I had to walk away from my internship because of some complications that were going on and so I was searching for a job. I was searching for a job. I didn't have another job or internship at the time. Um, And so I was like, I'm going to take a month to focus on my, on my podcast. Uh, Along with other things, like I was still applying to jobs and I was still applying to internships and doing other stuff. But I was like, in the meantime, I'm going to develop my podcast since I said I was going to do it for a while. And so I felt inspired to do it because, um, you know, I really enjoy music. I used to make music. I, I don't like to say that I used to make music because it makes it feel like you gave up or something like that. Yeah, and it's like, I feel like I will probably drop more stuff in the future, but I don't do it the same way that I used to. Like, when I was in high school, I used to make music like a hobby. It was something that was very often for me versus now I don't really get around to making music. And I think that because I have my other stuff that I'm doing, it kind of satisfies that creative need. So I don't really feel a need to make music as much anymore, you know. But you feel like your podcast kind of like going into this kind of fills your creative need to a certain like you feel like you just don't need to do anything creative outside of this. Um, no, no, it's not that I don't need to do anything creative outside of it. I don't feel the urge to make music though, because I do this because it gives me a space to talk about music. It allows me to talk about my music, what I know about music, other artists' music. I can bring other people in and like, you know, I don't know if you've listened to any of like my episodes of the episode we did. It's kind of formatted almost like a radio show in a sense because of the fact that I put the songs in the rotation along with the conversation. So it's like a nice 
blend of music and conversation. And so for me doing that, that makes me like, it makes me feel like I'm working in music still even, and like, it doesn't require me to like go get in a booth and record music, you know? Cause I just feel like that part always stresses me out. Cause I feel like I'm always critiquing how I sound, how my music sounds and all these other different things about it, you know? And it's just requires to really put yourself out there to make music. You're putting yourself out there when you do anything and when you put anything out there, but just not in the same way, do you get what I'm saying? Because I feel like music is judged differently than podcasts are, you get what I'm saying? No, no, I feel that, you know, trust me, I feel that all, keep in mind, I drop music myself, I haven't dropped uh song since uh april last year so we're a full year removed and it's just like you know like i'm still trying to put myself in the position where i can financially fund another project uh gladly now i got a job now where i can be able to you know get that situated um you know amongst other things and it's just like uh yeah man i can feel that and, and stuff of that nature but it's just like never be too discovered discouraged on how people judge anything to be honest just be more focused on just putting your art out there and just focus on that dude that's really just that that's where the payoff is it's just investing in your art uh, as best as you can just leaving it at that you know it's just like that i don't even really see like really like caring much about like people like see whether they like my mixtape or not or whether they like you know the podcast or not i'm really more focused on really just getting the best content and best quality as best as i can provide and everything and get better over time to the point where it's like you can really become something that can really take me like not take me but just really just something that can really become something on its own you know but it all starts from really just reaching the goals i set for myself and it's just it yeah, it's a really good way to set goals for yourself. Like this year, I'm trying to see if I can reach 50 songs today. Um, though we're already like halfway done with the year already, and I haven't dropped a single song, but I still feel like I can do it. You know, and then it's just like you know, with the whole podcast situation, it was kind of rocky the first couple months, but you know, here here I am still out here trying to interview people. In my third interview of the day. After days I have no interview, after days of not having time to do anything or convincing myself that I didn't have time to do it, and now I'm making it happen. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, tomorrow's going to be messy, too, because I had, like, my cousins coming over to the crib and everything, and so it's just, like, you know, uh, I don't know how that's going to conflict with me, you know, uh, getting my interviews done also. So, so I'm going to have to wake really, wake up real, really early and get things together as best as as I can, amongst also getting my uh, chores done and everything situated to prepare for the week and stuff of that nature. So it's just these podcasts, this music thing, it really helps you stay on your stuff once you really have goals for it. You know, it's good to have a passion to have goals for and stuff of that nature. But where you really see yourself like in the next couple of years in regards to this whole podcast thing? Oh. I'm not oh. really, to be honest. I would like to keep doing it. Right now, I really enjoy it. Um, it's something that I'm taking a break soon because it has been a bit much for me trying to uh, trying to like you know incorporate taking the time out to edit my podcast prior to post every week. So I would like to take a little hiatus so that I can. Um, you know, for my next season, have a few episodes already edited 
so that I can release them on a schedule as opposed to trying to run around and edit and release it all in the same week on top of work, internship, personal life. You, you know, it, it, it just doesn't really mesh well for me, but it is something that I would like to continue with and I would like to expand and, you know, the longer I do it, I would like to, you know, eventually pull bigger artists to do it. Like, I felt like this first season, for the first season, it was pretty good, though, for sure. Like, I still have a few more episodes before the season closes out, you know, but I've uh, gotten to talk to a lot of different music professionals and different, um, you know, in different genres of music. I got to, um, you know, attend the Dreamville Festival from backstage and do an episode about that. Um, so it's, it's been good for me, like, you know, getting to talk to different professionals, getting to do event coverage and just all that good stuff, you know what I mean? So I definitely do see it continuing to just grow in future years because I think that I've already accomplished so much in just this first season, you know? Oh, cool. That's great, man. You know, hook me up with like those uh, uh, people that you interviewed too, man. I like to speak to them also. You mean to tell me you're backstage at Dreamville Fest uh, and you got an episode set up? You said what? You mean you're in the backstage at Dreamville Fest and you got an episode set up, like basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have an episode on, Um, it's on Spotify on my channel and it's basically just me talking about what it was like for me doing security backstage, you know, some of the artists that I got to hear and see from where I was at. Um, I got a little footage from inside the festival, like audio footage, not too much, but it's definitely just an interesting listen, you know, for sure. And I'm, um, yeah, I'm just like, that, that was my first music festival ever getting to go to, you know, and I was just like so humbled that the first one I got to go to was Dreamville because I've wanted to go to Dreamville for years and, you know, getting to go for free and actually like, you know, be backstage and like actually get to watch from on stage at one point like that was very cool for me very humbling very surreal experience you know oh so you got to actually meet some artists too by the way keep on we only got a couple three minutes so just letting you know okay um i did not meet anyone that's the thing because they didn't really want us to talk to the celebrities except josiah russell yeah he yeah he got an opportunity to sing with Kehlani, but that was because she heard him singing. He didn't like come up to her. You know what I'm saying? She That's heard, cool. yeah, she heard him singing, and she called him on stage, and then he got the chance to sing and do all of that. But then the next day, he um, he was he he was talking to Wale at one point, and then I remember um, the head of security came over and said something to him and was basically like, we can't say nothing to them. We can only talk to them if they talk to us first, <laughs> blah, 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 whole bunch of extraness. But I was in very close proximity to certain celebrities. Um, and then at one point I, uh, I was off duty and, and I just got to watch certain people perform from the VIP section because I was already over there. Um, but so I wasn't on duty the whole time. 
All right, that's cool, man. It's just like, you know, we only got one minute left. So it's just like, <laughs> we can pretty much talk for like as long as we want and everything. But it's like, you know, I only got two minutes and shit of that nature. You know, I was out there for Dreamville Fest too. I was at the first one and that was the second one I was at, dude. I was in a group chat and we all met together that day. I'm going to send you the picture and everything how it looked because it was like we were rolling so deep, bro. It was funny. So, because we, I think we might have been like the few people that actually like pulled it off and everything, you know. To meet yeah. on a group chat, you know, nobody from a person, but you just met on a group chat on Facebook and stuff of that nature. But, you know, hey, we only got a minute left, so we got to, like, be able to, like, close this in and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but, yeah, I want to appreciate you, uh, Jordan, man, for hopping on, you know, it's just doing podcast for podcast. I thought that was pretty cool and stuff of that nature. Um, That's it for, like, the 74th episode of the Mental Dust Podcast. It was a damn good episode, for real, dude. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have any last uh, words, you know, you got a minute to let them know just letting you know well just thank you for having me um anyone who hears this go ahead and follow me on instagram at wavy2wise.jordan and follow my other instagram at multimediation for my multimediation entertainment group and listen to my podcast mozzie music lounge which is on spotify okay good 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 <laughs> i thought i was gonna <laughs> cut you off i was so scared like don't cut them off me please too. But yeah, that's just it for the Mental Thugs podcast. Okay, that is, we'll get someone in and then we're sewing out. All right, take it easy, bro. Yeah, take it easy when we sew it out because it's like one minute. They only use, uh, they just say less than one minute. So you don't really know exactly where you're at. Mm-hmm. Sewing out. All right, shot again. Sewing. Sewing uh, out. Out. Okay, okay, I thought that was it. Sewing. Oh, oh, did 